0: Hi and welcome to my podcast. I'm Dr. John Cook. I'm so glad you joined us today as we continue our series on Systematic Theology II. Our study takes us to lesson number 29. We will deal with the doctrine of the church. We'll get into our study right after this. I want to say right from the start that nothing that I say is original with me. In fact, I don't think any preacher can say anything that is original. The Bible says there is nothing new under the sun. My daddy used to tell me that if it's new it isn't true and if it's true it isn't new. So I just accept the fact that I'm simply going to be repeating what somebody else has found already. We now join in progress part one of our study on Systematic Theology, Lesson number 29, on the doctrine of the church. When studying systematic theology on the doctrine of the church, we find too often that the importance of the local visible church is discounted, almost to invisibility. I can remember when studying for my Doctor of Theology degree that the textbooks that I was using said a great deal about the universal invisible church, yet very little concerning the assembly. It's quite difficult to find the universal, invisible church when studying the Word of God. The terms church and churches are found in Scripture 114 times. Out of that, over 100 times, it refers to a visible assembly. 14 times, the term is used in a generic sense, like an institution. When we use the term family, meaning mother, father, and children. So the word church is used in that same generic sense. So in Scripture, over 100 times, the church is local and visible without question. So those who believe in the universal invisible church choose to let 14 times contradict the 100 times, or at the very least to teach a contrary truth to the 100 times. Jesus himself uses the word church 21 times, each of which is used as a local, visible assembly. The last place he uses this word is in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 17. There he says, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, this certainly cannot be talking about nor referring to some invisible universal assembly composed of all born-again believers, whether on earth or in heaven. How would you tell it to the church in that case? In the book of Revelation, Jesus uses the word church concerning the seven local churches that John was commanded to write to. So there is no question but what Jesus used the word church as a visible local assembly, a local New Testament assembly. The early New Testament churches were visible assemblies and local, indigenous one from the other. Now the question is, when did the Lord's church begin and who started it? The answer to that is found in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Jesus tells Peter there, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. From this scripture, we see clearly that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that founded the church. We also see that the church is founded upon this rock. What rock was Jesus talking about? There are those who would have us believe that he meant the apostle Peter. However, That does not agree with the term that he uses, nor does it agree with the one who is the rock in Scripture. Consider this fact, that when Jesus uses Peter's name, the word he uses means a small rock easily moved about. That was Peter. But when he uses the term, upon this rock I will build my church, he uses a term which means a large immovable boulder, which speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. We plainly see this declared in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11, which tells us that other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. It is, in fact, the Lord Jesus Christ that is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner, according to Acts chapter 4 and verse 11. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20, we find that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone So the founder and foundation is our Lord Jesus Christ. As to when the church came into existence, many try to teach, especially those who want to believe in a universal invisible church, that the church did not start until the day of Pentecost. There are several problems with this. We're going to consider them. In Matthew chapter 18, we find instructions are given as to how to deal with those that will not listen to the church. That is, church discipline. For example, look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 17. It says, And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. If the church did not exist at the giving of these instructions, the church has no instructions as to how to deal with those who will not listen to the church. Nor does the church have disciplinary instructions to follow if the church did not exist at the time. If the church did not exist at that time, then tell it to the church is a senseless statement. However, the church did exist because it began in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, where Jesus said he would build his church. It is only the local New Testament church that could be spoken of when Jesus says in Matthew 18 and verse 17, if he neglect to hear the church because he is to be excluded from the local assembly, according to that scripture. Now, if you say that this is the universal invisible church, then how in the world could he be excluded from the universal invisible church? Because if the universal invisible church is composed of all born-again believers on earth and in heaven, we have no power to separate them from such a body. These instructions demand a local visible assembly without question. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, the Great Commission is given. Was Jesus speaking to the church or just individual Christians there? Listen to what the scripture says. And Jesus came unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you and lo I am with you always even unto the end of the world so I ask again is this scripture speaking to individual christians or to the church if there were no church present at the time then he must have been speaking to just individual disciples and therefore the church has no great commission However, the church was in existence from the moment that Jesus said he would build his church. From that moment on, that local assembly belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, just as it does today. Therefore, the Great Commission was given to the church that Jesus established in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. For it is the church which is given the authority and responsibility to take the gospel to all the world and make disciples for the Savior. Having been made disciples, we are then to baptize them and teach them to go into the world and make disciples for the Savior. This is soul winning in the church. The church is composed of born-again baptized believers who have the responsibility to gather in the local assembly, and to take the gospel to this lost and dying world and bring them to Christ. Those that got saved on the day of Pentecost, which we read about in the book of Acts chapter 2, were baptized and added to the church. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. Now also look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. There we're told the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So the church was started in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. And in the book of Acts, we are told that the church spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the Gentiles. This is the church that Jesus started, the local church. Visible assembly of born-again, baptized believers who continue today. The church that Jesus began went on to start other churches. The local church produced other local churches. Like begats like. Hey, this is John Cook again. I want to thank you for joining us in this podcast. I encourage you to join us in the next podcast as we continue our series on Systematic Theology 2. Hey, while you're here, why don't you click that subscribe button and follow us, and you'll be notified just as soon as another podcast is released. Appreciate it. God bless.